the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we prepare to hear the scriptures, let us pray. Holy God, our hope and strength, by the power of your Spirit, prepare the way in our hearts for the coming of your word, so that we may see the glorious signs of your promise fulfilled. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Listen for God's word to you. Therefore, the Holy One of Israel says, because you reject this word and trust in oppression and cunning and rely on them, your sin will be like a crack in a high wall. It bulges about to fall. Suddenly, in an instant, it breaks. In breaking is like the breaking of a storage jar that is totally shattered. No piece from among its fragments will be large enough to take fire from a hearth or to dip water from a cistern. Therefore, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel says, in return and rest, you will be saved. Quietness and trust will be your strength. But you refused. You said, no, we'll flee on horses. Therefore, you will indeed flee. And we'll ride off on swift steeds. We will ride. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. One thousand will flee at the threat of one. And at the threat of five, you will flee until you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a flag on a hill. Nonetheless, the Lord is waking to be merciful to you and will rise up up to show you compassion. The Lord is a God of justice. Happy are all who wait for the Lord. Thanks be to God, the word of the Lord. Our second reading comes to us from the letter to the Romans. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the words of our God endure forever. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. 
for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Word of the Lord. Good news, folks. Canadian singer Alanis Morissette announced her tour dates for 2020 the 25th anniversary of her critically acclaimed album, Jagged Little Pill. Get excited. Although, personally, I'm not shelling out a hundred bucks to hear Morissette live. But I don't need much of an excuse to uh, pop my ancient CD into my car stereo and rock out. As the guitar and harmonica kick things off, Morissette invites us into her overactive, overthinking mind. Do I stress you out? My sweater's on backwards and inside out, and you say, how appropriate. I don't want to dissect everything today. I don't mean to pick you apart, you see, but I can't help it. But the best line of that opening track comes near the end. Why are you so petrified of silence? And it's not clear whether Morissette is addressing someone else or herself. After only four beats of silence, she jumps back in, curious about what's on our minds. What's on your mind while silence drags on? Like Morissette, do you think about your bills, your ex, your deadlines, or when you think you're going to die? Do you long for the next distraction? Or, because of the impending holiday, are you ticking off shopping lists, making travel plans, thinking about how you'll steer dinnertime conversation away from, or God love you, towards the subject of impeachment. In this crowdy, noisy month, and most times of the year, if we're honest, we have a complicated relationship with silence. Speech is silver, our grandmothers taught us, but silence is golden. There are times that we let blessed stillness wash over us, like when we watch the sun set over the lake, or hear the last refrain of silent night fade away into the darkened sanctuary. And any of us who have had the misfortune to spend time in the intensive care unit 
amid so much beeping and whirring and clanging, knows intuitively what Florence Nightingale wrote a century ago, that unnecessary noise is the cruelest absence of care. And yet there is silence that we dread, like the callous silence of a phone that will not ring with news, or the charged silence between two people after hurtful words have been spoken. There is the nighttime solitude that amplifies the drip, drip, drip of thought after thought after thought, let alone that leaking sink. In 2019, we are well-versed with warding off this kind of silence, falling asleep with the television on, or a podcast playing, or the shh of a white noise machine. In the scriptures of Israel, Silence also has mixed reviews. In the hands of the poet, silence sings. God of Zion, to you even silence is praise. Heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming God's handiwork. There is no speech, no words, but their voices cannot be heard but their sound extends throughout the whole world. The weeping poet of Lamentations insists that it is good to wait in silence for the Lord's deliverance. People should sit alone and be silent when God lays a yoke on them. But people weighed down by suffering cannot keep silent for long. I promised I would watch my steps so as not to sin with my tongue, one poet confesses. So I was completely quiet, silent. I kept my peace, but it did no good. My pain got worse. My heart got hot inside me. Then I spoke out with my tongue. Again and again, God's people cry out, God, don't be silent. Don't be quiet or sit still, God, because look, your enemies are growling. Those who hate you are acting arrogantly. In that culture, where the same word meant word and action, God's silence implied that God had drawn back from acting in the world. Don't keep quiet, the poets plead. Please do not be far from me, my Lord. Wake up, get up, and do justice for me. Argue my case, my Lord and my God. But if it's true that the people populating scripture are distressed when God is silent, it's just as true that people rarely listen when God does speak. Take, for example, our reading from Isaiah. For chapter upon chapter, Isaiah has brought God's words to the kings of Judah, warning them not to play politics with larger nations. 
First it was Assyria. Now it's Egypt. Next it will be Babylon. None of this ends well. Why, oh why, can't these kings sit on their hands? In return and rest you will be saved. Quietness and trust will be your strength, but you refused. Why can't they heed the prophet's warnings to chill? Take it easy. Why can't we? Quietness and trust will be your strength, says the Lord. But no, we'll flee on horses. We'll get busy. We'll get things done. We'll run circles around ourselves. Anything so that we don't have to come face to face with that silence in which we are not in charge. The quiet practice of trust, like the patient practice of hope that Paul describes in Romans, is difficult. If we see what we hope for, that isn't hope, Paul reminds us. In rest, we will be saved. In hope, we were saved. And yet again and again, we try to save ourselves. I'm reminded of the novelist James Baldwin's take on the matter. People who believe that they are strong-willed and the masters of their destiny can only continue to believe this by becoming specialists in self-deception. Their decisions are not really decisions at all, because a real decision makes one humble. One knows that it is at the mercy of more things than can be named. Instead, they are elaborate systems of evasion, of illusion. Evasion, illusion, monkey mind, longing for the next distraction, whatever you call this resistance to silence, the Holy One calls us out on it. So what do we do? Well, in a word, nothing. Isaiah insists, the Lord is waiting to be merciful to you and will rise up to show you compassion. God is waiting for us to run ourselves ragged, to fall on the ground like weary and wailing toddlers, to stop insisting and receive already. God is waiting for us to still our minds so that we can really absorb those sacred words of compassion. I formed you in the womb. I love you. You are mine. Do not be afraid. I am with you. God is waiting for us to get quiet enough to hear the whole creation groaning in pain, to hear that same groan rising from the depths of our own souls. God is waiting for us, I believe, so that when God transforms the world, we can participate. It's like the Sabbath day, literally the day to stop, to cease from action. 
just as resting on the Sabbath is a kind of participation in God's renewal of creation, entering stillness and silence prepares us to speak the words that God gives us and to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ today. I know this is not the ideal time for peaceful contemplative silence. Christmas is three days away, I know. But that means that for two days, it is still Advent. Still the season where Christ's second arrival in glory matters just as much as his first arrival in the manger. All creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's children, Paul writes, because Christ is the first of many sisters and brothers, and the arrival of Christ means that we truly arrive at our destiny. At Christ's arrival, we come to, we awaken to who we truly are, God's children, meant to follow Jesus in doing God's work. Yes, practically speaking, it'll be hard to squeeze stillness into the next two days. But remember, the day after Christmas is coming. And January 1st is coming right behind that with its emotional or physical hangover. The post-holiday slump will reveal how fleeting our perfect Christmas celebrations really were, and our exhausted bodies will cry out for rest. So when you think about it, now is the perfect time to plan on slowing down and opening ourselves to the God who waits for us. And if we don't, if we keep going, 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 then we don't hear what the Spirit whispers to us. Then we let the voices in our brains that bully and beat us down have free reign. And the deeply partisan static that has dominated our national life will become our inevitable reality. I'll confess that last week I often turned on the radio, often only to switch it off just a few minutes later. Impeachment is a matter of great seriousness. So I tried to listen for insight, but I only heard members of Congress entrenched in parallel universes regurgitating talking points, flinging words at each other like darts. All of that sound and fury felt like an assault on my ears and on my spirit. And yet I'm aware that turning off the radio doesn't make division disappear. That kind of silence is only surface level. Instead, I believe that God is inviting us to a deeper quality of silence, a silence 
that enveloped Sarah Miles during a town hall meeting at her church soon after the U.S. began bombing Baghdad in 2003. You see, Miles hadn't designed that meeting to be a debate or a forum for political discussion. Instead, it was a service of worship. On a cool spring evening, she and 30 others sat in the shadow of the cross, chanting psalms that were chosen for their difficulty with long silences in between. I step on my enemies next to destroy them, we sang. I grind them as fine as wind-blown dust. We waited. Trapped here with no escape, I cannot see beyond my pain. We waited. Have mercy on us, we sang. Have mercy. Miles recounts, in the silence that followed, Lee Thorne stood up. I'm a vet, he said. He was crying. My oldest son is draft age. I can't stand this. Dave Hubert stood up. I can't stand it either, he said. He was trembling. I used to be a pacifist. I believe, to the best of my knowledge, this war is the right thing. I think it's horrible. But we have to do it. It was a long two hours, Miles writes. One after another, people heaved themselves to their feet and spoke, not speeches, but testimony, naked and unplanned, until all of our nerves were completely unwrapped and there was nothing left to say. Have mercy on us, we sang. The prophet promises, the Lord is waiting to be merciful to you and will rise up to show you compassion. The apostle assures us the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit personally pleads our case before God with unexpressed groans. In the waiting, in the stillness, in the silence, the Holy One sows seeds of transformation, seeds which will blossom in our faithfulness. I saw the fruit of such faithfulness just yesterday. I stood next to a cart stacked with eggs as neighbors picked out groceries from the food pantry. Near me, a baby cooed in her car seat. A middle-aged man, maybe 50 or 60, walked over, reached for the eggs, 
and noticed the baby. I had a baby once, he said. I had a little boy. But then he left. A brief silence. Me, unsure what to say. But then the man continued. I didn't see him again for 20 years, but I stopped using. I got sober, and I reached out. Now he's a part of my life again, and now I've got three granddaughters, just like this little one. Beloved, God is waiting for us waiting to welcome us home to rest and peace, waiting for us to come into our own as children of the Most High, waiting to ready ourselves for the arrival of the Son of God, the Messiah, coming to transform the world. So what are we waiting for? Let us receive this grace with open arms. And for such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, creator of the stars of night, day spring from on high, flame of love in our hearts. Amen. <laughs>